0: Hello there everyone, welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money, how to make a difference while traveling the world. Speaking of traveling the world, we're currently traveling here through the beautiful Philippines and as we're traveling we're continuing our interview series where we feature different amazing expeditions and travels from around the world and we have uh, quite a unique episode today because uh, you'll you'll find out but uh, it's basically uh, all about cans for killing. and you might be like cans for what? Well, you're about to find out. So our guest today, her name is Christina Zurfest, and she's a friend of uh, one of our previous podcast guests, Jeff Bonaldi, who's the founder of the Explorers Passage. And um, our guest today, Christina, is the founder of Cans for Killy. Killy's uh, you know, a little short for Kilimanjaro. And uh, she has a big mission to recycle over 1.2 million cans that they're already uh, all around the 10,000-can mark, uh, mark in just about a few months so far. So super excited to learn about the deeper purpose and the deeper mission behind Christina's project, Cans for Christina, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really excited to talk to you about our project. We are really excited to have you on as well to talk about your project. So before we talk about your project, let's talk about you. We love to get to know our guest story, and you have an amazing story. So why did not you share a little bit of the background of that?
1: Absolutely, I am convinced that I am the luckiest girl in the world. Um, Some people think that that's because I actually do have an unusual ability of finding four leaf clovers. Um, I found over 500 in my life. So that's like a random fact about me. But in reality, I believe I'm the luckiest girl in the world from the people I've met and the experiences I've had. Um, My family has absolutely Shaped who I am as a person. So definitely very lucky to have that upbringing support from that angle. But my travels have also made an incredible impact um, and on me as a person. And hopefully I can take those uh, Those concepts and translate that into something bigger, which is a little bit where cans for killia that we'll talk about later came in, but I've actually been to six continents um, and I'm currently 23 Uh, And ironically, the last one is not Antarctica. The last one is Australia. I have already been to Antarctica, (laughs) but we're gonna get to Australia soon. Uh, Hopefully before I'm 25 at this point, I figure I just have to get the job, so.
0: For me, it took me 41 years. I'm a six continents too, and mine is (laughs) Australia, but excluding Antarctica, so I'm missing Antarctica. But uh, you know, it took me a little bit longer than you, but congratulations. How many countries are you at total?
1: I think I'm about, uh, I think I'm at 18 countries now. Uh, I like to be very intentional when I travel. So I like to go to each country and, and make sure I'm going there for a specific reason. And so I think it's, it's a little bit funny that uh, a lot of people may have been to way more countries than me, um, but I have a high continent count because I like that diversity of experience.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, speaking of diversity experience, there are not many people who have gone to Antarctica. So we'd love to hear about that. I mean, uh, you were with uh, Jeff, the Explorers Passage. Tell us yes. about the journey. What were some of the highlights? Uh, walk us through, uh, how did you get there? And a little bit of, yeah, the experience.
1: I, that was, as to be expected, the most impactful experience on me that I've ever had. Uh, coolest place I've ever traveled, um, I think as many people would imagine. Um, but the ironic part is going to the most desolate place on Earth. Let me tell you, it did, it did exceed all of my expectations, which despite my best attempts were incredibly high. Um, I was kayaking among seals and whales and penguins. Um, It was, you know, frigid temperatures, you know, when I first started looking into going to Antarctica, I didn't even know how to get there. Um, So I learned a bunch on just the travel flight plan uh, and the boating route, Um, all sorts of things, including the 2041 um, or the Antarctica Treaty that is expiring in 2041. So I actually went with the group 2041, which does um, a really awesome job working to promote uh, the protection of Antarctica. So there was an education advocacy bend Um, But that's where a little bit of the irony came in, because although I was going to the most desolate place on Earth, what really transformed my experience in Antarctica was going with all of those people um, on the 2041 expedition. Um, I met some of the most amazing people from around the globe, Um, and I I consider myself a big dreamer. I like to choose plans that are just a little crazy uh, and blow people away by, by making them realize that they can reach those goals. Um, And I got on that boat, and I felt like I was dreaming smaller than anybody else. Um, So they really inspired me to make even more of a big impact, which part of the result of those efforts is actually our Cans for Killy project.
0: So that's a nice little segue there, because during that (laughs) trip, that's where you came up with this ingenious, creative, unique idea. Tell us about the whole conception of the idea.
1: Absolutely. So I had already known going just out actually graduating college that I wanted to climb Kilimanjaro. Uh, I really like to be active. I really like to go to new places. It just seems like kind of a borderline even stereotypical of the best ways um, to go about doing that. So it had been on my radar. Um, and when we were on that boat um, with some of these amazing people, um, they have the head of Tanzania's Roots and Shoots program, the Jane Goodall Roots and Shoots Foundation, which is um, Jane Goodall is the woman who in the 90s lived amongst um, all of the chimpanzees and gorillas uh, and she does a reforestation foundation uh, where she works on reforestation efforts around the globe. So at the end of the trip, they were discussing other potential opportunities for trips, and Aresto, who was um, the man who's the head of the Roots and Shoots program, mentioned that he would like to host a trip where we could um, reforest the base of Mount Kilimanjaro summit and collect trash on the way down. And this is critically important because the, mouth, the ecosystem of Mount Kilimanjaro is actually dying due to deforestation and pollution. Uh, and so this is a project which there is a local need in Tanzania, but they really need manpower to help them make a difference. So someone coming from another country to have the impact that Tanzania needs without trying to make the claims of saying what Tanzania needs. Um, so that really spoke to me. And I wanted to join the trip so much so that I actually walked right up and told him I was in, even though I had no information on cost, dates, anything. Um, and even told him that my friend who wanted to climb, Kelly um, with me, her name's Haley. Um, that Haley would also be in, even though I had no way of contacting her because I was, you know, among the icebergs at the time. But I knew she would be in, and as, um, as luck would have it, she was. Um, but on the way home, I started realizing that while that is an amazing trip, an amazing opportunity for me, there were two other problems that I wanted to solve as well. Uh, Indianapolis is, my, is the city in which I reside right now. And it is progressing in a lot of ways. We're actually in the top 10 tech cities in the nation, so we're making a lot of waves on the economy and the technology fields, but we don't really have a lot of eco-focused programs. And so I wanted to use the opportunity of being eco-friendly in Tanzania to promote the eco uh, efforts in Indianapolis. The other thing that I wanted to do uh, was uh, pay for my trip. Because I love to travel and I don't really care to pay for traveling. Um, So coming up with a creative way to fund it was definitely a high priority for me um, when kind of putting these concepts together. So on the plane home, as I'm reflecting on this, I started thinking about the trash that we have around the city. And and overall, we do keep the city pretty neat. um, But you'll see a lot of aluminum cans on the sidewalk or people will throw things away. They don't really have a big recycle culture here. And I realized that people were throwing away not just something that could be recycled, but literally a resource that could be sold for money. And aluminum, uh, because it's 100% recyclable, is actually sold for a pretty decent price uh, here in Indiana. And so if we were to collect those cans, thereby cleaning up the city, we could sell them to make the money to then fund our expedition. And so the project of collecting cans for Kilimanjaro um, ended up solving all three of those problems in one.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So the triple win, win, win. Yes. So uh, from the idea to where it is right now, we're recording this here in early December 2018. Mm -hmm. Uh, Walk us through the process from going from idea to implementation to progress now. I will say
1: as much as I would love to tell everybody that this was exactly how I planned it to go all along. um, That was not actually the case in many ways. Uh, I did have a vision of what it could become uh, and left myself intentionally open to expansion. Um, But in many ways, the way this has exploded in the best way possible was unanticipated by me. Because when I first came up with this concept, I was thinking, okay, if I collect approximately 200,000 cans, it would pay for my trip to go. Uh, And as you know, our number is 1.2 million cans because my friends said, cool project, I want in. Um, So there's six of us now here in Indianapolis, um, which is also a great way for it to expand. And I started having friends and with the awesome ability to connect with people digitally, whether that be through social media, even just, you know, phone text, but also Skyping, it made this project, it made it a possibility for this project to expand even globally now. So as my other friends that I've met through my travels or just from growing up in high school, growing up in college, things like that. Um, We now have franchise chapters in Denver, Colorado, Lexington, Virginia, Indonesia, India, um, and climbers included from Germany, Chicago, um, and hopefully soon to either be Hong Kong, France, um, or United
0: Arab Emirates. That is a crazy, crazy, crazy growth rate in such a short time. How, how, how? Uh, Tell us (laughs) the intricacies of how (laughs) that happened, because one thing you have idea on Disruptive Antarctica, and then you can tell your friend. Then you get six friends. And then you start having people from around the world. Uh, tell us about how, how to walk us through that actual um, intricacies of how that happened.
1: Well... I would say the very first thing everyone needs to know is obviously this did not happen just because of me. You know, this, the only way this growth has been possible is because of the efforts of other people and other people getting excited about the project. Um, My team kind of here in headquarters, it's kind of cool. We can call it that now, especially because last week, we actually just got our official paperwork and we are now officially a 501c3 nonprofit. Really excited about that. Um, So here at headquarters in Indianapolis, we have a team that, is intentionally very diverse. So in terms of scaling, I mean, any initiative, I think this is a well-known concept. Um, you know, people always say, make sure you put somebody, a diverse talent on your team. Uh, I think that's obviously very important. Um, I don't think I want anybody with my talents on my team because by putting people with diverse talents on my team, they do the work I wouldn't necessarily excel at or necessarily want to do. Um, for example, our marketing director, Colin Dirkus, is very good with social media. Um, very good with website design and things like that. I don't care to spend my time in that way, but it's mission critical, important for getting our, our message out there. And so being able to work with her, she's done a phenomenal job of designing the project, making sure our promotion materials are all on brand, making sure we can communicate this to an audience that's larger than ourselves. That allowed us for the scalability. Also pulling other people on our team who are more administrative, detail oriented. You know, they could file the paperwork for the 501c3, therefore allowing businesses to now donate instead of just individuals. Uh, so making sure that I'm including people with diverse talent sets on the team has definitely allowed for the expansion. In terms of everything else, I think probably what I bring to the team is just a lot of energy, a lot, a lot of energy all the time. Um, I don't drink any coffee. I tell people that's because nobody wants me to drink any coffee. i I have enough energy for everybody as it is, um, but in that I have just been really excited talking about the project, sharing it with other people, um, but most of all listening to the needs of what other people need to either be involved or what other people need to be um, an impact, and then working with them to address those needs. Uh, I think the the thing that would have hindered our growth the most is if we said, okay, cancer killie looks like this in Indiana. And so it needs to look like this everywhere. So being able to be flexible on what those design looks like is allowing people from around the globe to participate instead of just here in the city.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. Like you said, uh, the local impact, global travel, but it's not just local. In Vienna, it's like local, 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 and it boom, yes. So how are you gonna get the 1.2 million cans? Because it's almost like unfathomable. I can't really picture how does that look like, but how are you gonna actually yes. get that goal?
1: the collecting cans is uh i mean obviously i think that it's in in all this scaling could be something that easily gets overlooked of yeah we're adding all these different people and all this you know and now we're at 501c3 but we need to make sure we hit our target um so our team is very meticulous on making sure we know how we're actually going to reach that goal so the first thing that we did is Just start talking about the project. Just start sharing the message to people. And that'll do two things. One, we can start to incorporate, hey, put a different bin out at your house and start throwing your soda cans into that bin. Actually, right now, if we were to put household donors as a company, um, they would donate more cans to us than companies actually do, um, just because we have been talking to so many people and making that difference on an individual aspect. However, it's important to know um, that that individual aspect um, is not the only way to go. So while the second point there is we do get feedback from them and knowing what works and what doesn't, um, individuals is a great way to hit a lot of different mentalities, a lot of switch up the recycling mentality for a lot of people, but it's not gonna get us at 1.2 million. So what we've done to actually structure how to hit that high of a number is we're working with a lot of companies in town. Because we are such a tech city, um, there's a lot of LaCroix that's, drink, um, that's consumed around town. It's uh, a little soda water that, I don't know, tech companies absolutely love. Um, so that works for my, me and my project. That's great. So we're trying to get in as many companies as we can. Um, even just, you know, 200 cans a week at a company is plenty for us to start collecting. Um, and then if we, you know, if we each had 20 companies at about 200 cans a week, we should be able to scale and hit that number. Um, But we don't want to leave that up to chance. Uh, So we are partnering with large event centers as our largest donor. Um, So in Indianapolis, we have concert venues, for example, which are great donors. We have sporting, you know, football stadiums, things like that, which are all great donors. But most importantly, we have the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, um, which hosts the Indianapolis 500. This is the largest single day sporting event in the world in history. Um, And what the culture that it creates is a lot, a lot of people um, in one stadium at one time. So in just one day, the the IMS is anticipating that there will be 500,000 to 1 million cans consumed at this event alone. And so we're coordinating a crazy amount of volunteers to actually do the cleanup for that to ensure that those cans are getting recycled instead of thrown away. And that will be the biggest thing that helps us do
0: Craziness. And you also have all these sponsors, right? Uh, in addition to the can collections, you've got uh, several different sponsors, which are outlined on your website. What are all the roles of those different partners and sponsors?
1: Yeah, so definitely the number one role of our sponsors is can donations. So these are all companies that we are actually picking up cans from on a regular basis. Um and excited and excited to be partnering with them to do that. Um, that will be in a couple different capacities. Sometimes we go up for personal pickups. Sometimes they actually bring it right to us. So they're very generous in their help in that way. Um, we are specifically trying to not get corporate sponsors for monetary value because we want to change the mentality of making a more eco impact. So we want the corporate sponsors to be donating a lot of cans um, and not a lot of cash. Although if they were to insist on some cash, we we are not in a position to argue. We'll take it. Um, but one of the things we wanted to do, which brought up kind of a money versus can conversation for us is we do, the money is very beneficial for us to reach our goal, it just doesn't make as green of an impact as we're hoping to make because those things are both our ambition. So what we have done is we've actually partnered with Keep Indianapolis Beautiful and the, partner, the Department of Natural Resources Division of Forestry in Indiana. Um, and we will now plant tree, a tree in Indiana for every $10 that's donated to our project. That way people who are remote, we have a lot of grandparents who wanted to support but maybe don't live in town, things like that, any money that they donate can then be incorporated um, into still making a green impact by planting a tree uh, here in Indiana.
0: So uh, we've talked about the cans, the sponsors. We're going to talk about the climbers. <laughs> so in terms of the climbers, what are the requirements to climb? You've already got your core team, plus all these like, other climbers who jumped on board. Uh, what are the requirements um, and guidelines for them?
1: Yeah, that is that is something we're making explicitly sure does not get lost in the fringe because we don't want to collect all these cans and not reach the top. And Kilimanjaro has a overall 60% success rate on somebody. Um, we chose, um, Indiana is very flat. We do not have mountains to practice on here in Indiana. Uh, so we chose an easier route despite um, the competitive nature of our team really wanting to take the hardest route and just go for it. Um, we decided it would be better to ensure success um, than to just take the craziest route. Um, so the route we're at has a 70% success rate, um, but still we've, you know, for every time climbers that would estimate that three of us are not going to make it to the top. And so I am making very sure with my team that that is not going to happen. But we have laid out some guidelines that um, if you start to have altitude sickness, this is not something to mess with. People die on Kilimanjaro every year. That's not going to be our team. So if you do get the effects of altitude sickness, which can happen to anybody, even if you're super athletic, even if you've done the proper training, um, you do have to go down the mountain with a Sherpa and the rest of the team will continue to summit. Um, So everybody agrees to that if they're coming on the trip. Um, The other thing they do agree to do is train. So the training is recommended to start about five months out. So we're not quite to that point yet. That'll start for us around March. Um, But until between now and March, the whole team is very encouraged to stay uh, very involved in athletics. I'm a big soccer player and a big dancer. So I'm staying active a minimum of five days a week, doing things like that, just making sure that we're staying active. Um, The rest of my team, uh, I think Fifty percent of us, or maybe even more, is either running a marathon or an ultra marathon, or more a triathlon coming up. So I'm happy to say I have a very athletic team that gives me confidence that everybody's going to make the impact they need. Um, but when we start getting a little closer to the actual training for the mountain, it looks like a lot of stair steppers, a lot of anaerobic exercise, things like swimming, things that encourage endurance with lack of oxygen is really good training for us. We will have everybody summit, hopefully, a 14,000 mountain of mountain get used to the altitude in advance uh, before flying out there and um yeah and really just hoping for the best one week when we do get closer and closer to date we are spending at least six hours a week doing heavy aerobic exercises hopefully with the backpack on your back so you have the experience carrying it
0: so uh, when is the climb and how long uh, will the whole, uh, you know, arriving in uh, Africa, preparing for the trip uh, take? Tell us about that time duration.
1: Yeah, so we, when we get to Africa, um, we'll be leaving the U.S. On the U.S. side of things, it'll look a little different depending on where everybody's from. Um, we'll have about a 24-hour flight pattern to get there um, because we can't have the, the direct flights to the, the base of the mountain. Uh, And we will leave on the 24th of August, arriving uh, on the 25th. The program will not start until the 26th. So we're giving everybody 24 hours to get adjusted in case their flights are delayed. We don't want that to impact the trip. And then we will start with three days of programming at the base of the mountain. A lot of that will incorporate the planting trees at the base. So the actual reforestation will happen right up front. Then we'll take about a seven-day hike. It'll be four days up. Um, four and a half days up and about two and a half days down, um, when we actually do the climb. We will climb and it will only be a climb on the way up, but on the way down, we will be collecting any trash we see to carry and recycle at the base of the mountain um, to make sure it's a little bit more green. So all encompassing, we'll have a 10 day program in Tanzania, We, uh, from the United States, and honestly, from all of these countries, don't really have a safari culture, so it looks like the team's going to take a little safari afterwards, just add a little element of fun to it, um, obviously, uh, before returning home. So all in all, we'll be gone for about 16 days um, before returning stateside or to our respective countries.
0: Well, I have done an animal safari. It was actually in uh, Kruger National Park in uh, Johannesburg. (laughs) It's a lot easier than climbing a mountain. (laughs) Have some binoculars and take your pictures. So relax, enjoy and uh, <laughs> see the incredible wildlife that's wild in Africa. So yeah, looking forward to following yes. you on your journey. So tell us a little bit about the long-term vision. So of course, uh, you're gearing up for this one major event, but this is more that you register as a charity now. Mm-hmm. It's long-term, not just one year short-term, right? Tell us about the big yes. vision.
1: Absolutely. And just the, the whole digital nomad culture, this is actually kind of the, the mentality that I see this moving towards and which I'm really excited about that. Um, when I, again, when I started, I was thinking, all right, what can I do to hustle and just get the money for me to go um, and learn a lot about this experience? But when I realized very quickly, um, and very fortunately, that this, uh, this vision is a lot bigger than myself. This is not just a trip for me, Um, This is not just a one-time thing anymore, and I'm really excited to say that. So, one of the things we have on one hand that we don't want to encourage all of these companies, all of these events, all these households to start recycling and then stop once we go to Kilimanjaro. That was a big thing was we want all of these recycling efforts to continue past the date of our trip. Um, The other thing we want to do is make sure that we're continuing to offer these opportunities to um, more and more people. So. We are deciding um, what it'll actually look like, whether we will continue to go to Kilimanjaro every year, but what we will do is we um, intend to sponsor um, high adventure eco-minded trips um, moving forward. So we will either take a lot of crossover of the Kansas Kili team, like a lot of the similar group that can then transition to different areas that also need help um, with, reforestation efforts with trash cleanup, a lot of that like manual labor that we can provide, that'll be great. Um, and the exciting thing for me is just that I love to travel and this is opening the door for me to pursue a career that'll allow me to be very transient and make an impact in a lot of different areas um, and be able to travel the world while doing it. Uh, and I am just, I could not be more excited about that. And so I would love to see you know, this movement continue um, to grow in as many cities across the globe as we possibly can um, and allow for the greatest amount of involvement in people thinking of traveling, knowing the negative impact that puts on the environment, um, but knowing about the amazing impact that that has on humanity, how can we make it both friendly for the environment and friendly for humanity? Um, and eco-funding is a great way to do that.
0: Yeah, definitely need that uh, the uh, double focus there. So, uh, Christina, of course, uh, all of our listeners, and our, watchers, our uh, viewers, are eagerly waiting for the answer to this question, which is the obvious question: How can we help? Yes,
1: there are wonderful ways for you to help. Um, we, if you can start collecting cans or collecting plastic or making those recycling impacts um, in your area. And um, we do have a couple people cor- um, collecting remotely, donating it or, you know, recycling it um, at their local recycling plants and then sending that money into us. That's a great way to do it um, and make the impact from, you know, from afar. Um, we love to hear your stories regardless, though. So anytime you're doing something cool and you're finding new and clever ways to eco fund, please share it with us, engage with us on social media. Cans for Killy, um, you can search it uh, on Facebook. You can search it on Instagram. You can even just search it on the web and those will pop right up. Um, so please, you know, like us, follow us on Facebook, keep up with our blog. We love those interactions and we love hearing your stories. So both sharing um, your stories and then sharing our page is a great way to help that. Um, and again, if you do, you know, we our focus is definitely aluminum cans, but if you feel compelled and you want to dine, donate financially because that's the, you know, the, uh, the resource that you have to provide, we will make sure that any of those donations are transferring into a tree, um, which within its first 10 years will remove one ton of carbon dioxide uh, from the environment. So if you are compelled, you can do that by following us on our website, uh, you know, and we'll support in any of those ways.
0: Awesome, I'll actually uh, have those links below. If you're watching this right on YouTube, they'll be right in the description. If you're listening on iTunes, you right write the show notes. So Christina, I'm definitely wishing you the best as you collect those 1.2 million cans and looking forward to following you along on the journey. Thank you so much for your help. And we're so looking forward to connecting with you all as we do so. Thank you. And uh, yeah, make sure you connect with Christina and their whole team and the cans for facility project. Uh, and make sure you connect with us as well with daddyblogger.com. And if you're interested in me, digital nomad, of course, digital nomadmastery.com as well. We'll catch you in the next.